The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 41, for February 27th, 2006. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton, and I'm here with... John Braun. How are you, John? Fantastic. That's good. Sorry about that. I, I actually, uh, I'm standing up for the first time here in the uh, top of the TMO Towers, and I hit the mic stand as I was coming back to the mic to uh, oh. introduce us after the, after the little musical introduction. So, there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, and I'm sick, so I don't know how long this show's going to last. It's going to last as long as the chloroseptic holds out in my throat. And once the razors come back, I'm out of here. How are you, John? Huh. Can't complain. Well, you could complain. We call it a rant, but you know. Well, maybe I have a rant. Yeah, I don't know if I want to start with a rant. We did that before. We did that once before. You you surprised me by starting with a rant. Well, I'll tell you, the MacBook Pro arrived, and uh, I've had uh, about five days to play with it here. So, oh, gonna, they made good on their promise. It did they arrive. Did. And so we'll talk about that, and then we've got some a uh, little bit of reader feedback. Huh. A little bit of listener feedback to go through, mm. and uh, and then that's that. So that's uh, that's our show for this evening. Um, but of course, in addition to being made possible by the wonderful efforts of the folks that make Chloroseptic, this show is brought to you by two uh, uh, wonderful, very gracious sponsors. The first of which is the Think Different Store at thinkdifferentstore.com. And these folks sell just about everything for your every. Uh, thing you would need for your iPod and your Mac. Uh, All sorts of little cases for your iPod. They've got a great little engine on the site where you can pick what sort of iPod you have and then you can see what, you know, and then you pick what you need. You need a case or you need a charger or whatever you need and you can drill down and and sort of, you know, narrow it down by the the type of iPod and and whatever it is you need. All that stuff at thinkdifferentstore.com. Make sure to visit them and make sure you use the coupon MacGeek when you check out for five bucks off your purchase at thinkdifferentstore.com. And our other sponsor, of course, is Audio Engine USA at audioengineusa.com. And, you know, I want to tell you what I did with, uh, you know, the speakers they graciously provided us to check out. I actually replaced my uh, stereo system downstairs. I used to have one of these boxes and I wired in the. Uh, audio but i replace it with these speakers and the thing that really amazes me is just the bass response it, it it is as as good as one of those kind of mini boom boxes and then i also have the airport express hooked up on the back so i can stream my stuff so it's uh and and of course with the charger so it's a perfect solution and they i mean they, they sound a lot larger than they look uh, i think you'll agree yeah i, I do agree they, they 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 built the enclosures such that the low end just rocks out of them so AudioEngineUSA.com, the speakers, the A5s, are available for $349 a pair. And I believe I just checked and it said that they were shipping, uh, the next batch was shipping tomorrow. So uh, and that would be February 28th. So looks like they've got some stock available, at least at, at the moment. So get them quick. Yep, um, AudioEngineUSA.com. And they'll have the neighbors calling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the MacBook Pro made it. And... I, I got to say, so far, I'm I'm relatively pleased. Now, you need to understand, my, my main machine, John, of course, 
prior to the MacBook Pro was a mm-hmm. 1.67 gigahertz PowerBook, G4 PowerBook. So the fastest yeah. PowerBook you could get in, a, in the 15-inch configuration, and that had two gigs of RAM in it, and the MacBook has, has two gigs of RAM too. And the biggest question, of course, that I'm getting asked from people is, okay, yeah, we know the native stuff is going to be really fast. And they're right. The native stuff is really fast. Just having two processors, if you've never had that that before, um, it makes a huge difference with OS X, uh, be it you know, dual G4s or dual G5s or dual Intels. Just having the OS have the ability to do different things with the with the with this other processor while while one app is running um you know if an app is is doing something with the processor oftentimes on a single processor mac you know window drawing and all that stuff kind of gets slowed down yeah there's the graphics chip but somebody's got a hand off to the graphics chip and having a you know another processor available to sort of offload that stuff back and forth makes a big difference and it it of course holds true with the intel stuff mm-hmm. now have you seen like with menu meters um one of our favorite utilities. Yep. Um, I assume it shows two processors. Indeed, it does. I, I had not updated to the universal binary version of menu okay. meters. So when I started it up, after I migrated my stuff over, and we can talk about that, uh, menu meters didn't run, and I, I almost thought I was going to have to send the computer back. But you know, yeah, it it is that important. It, but um, it is. But yeah, no, it shows up as two, and uh, and and everything. And What's that? And the load, I mean, do, do you notice? I mean, does it, you know, seem to be taking advantage of both processors? Absolutely. Yes. Outstanding. Yeah. And, hmm. and it, it... Nice work. So, yeah. So the native stuff, the OS, you know, Safari, I don't use Mail, but, uh, you know, some of the iApps, iChat certainly, uh, all, all that stuff runs really, really fast. Much faster than on my dual G4, which is the machine I podcast from, hmm. the dual one. Now, for graphics, what does this have again for graphics? It's... Uh... Uh, we'll get back to that. It's a, it's an ATI. It's some high end ATI chip. You can look it's it up. It's up there, but I think it's like a two fifty six. Uh, yeah, I, I believe you're right. I believe you're right. Maybe uh, it's just a want to make that observation that it's yeah. a, some good graphics. It's got to, yeah, and I haven't done a whole. I'm not a graphics guy. I don't do a lot of game playing. I don't do a lot of graphics editing. So uh, I'm really the wrong guy to ask about that sort of thing. But the big question everybody's been asking me is how does the Rosetta stuff work, and my and I haven't I've done some benchmarks, but benchmarks are useless. Uh, really, what you need to do is sit down and use a machine. And I do use quite a few apps that are still Rosetta. I use, of course, the Microsoft Office suite, mostly Word and Excel. Um, I use FileMaker a lot. My mail program, MailSmith, it runs under Rosetta. So I've always got at least two or three Rosetta apps running, if not more. And let me tell you, coming from the fastest PowerBook available, even on this one, the Rosetta apps run way faster than they did on my PowerBook. They launch faster and they run faster. Now, part of the launch faster thing, I know Rosetta apps are supposed to launch slower, dollars for donuts on a uh, on the Intel stuff, simply because it, it's got more to read from the disk, more libraries or something. But uh, remember on, on my MacBook, I have a 7200 RPM drive and on my PowerBook, I only had the 5400 RPM. So that could be part of it. Um, but they, they launch plenty fast and they run, they rock. Um, it, it, you know, there's no comparison. Much, much faster. So I highly, I highly recommend it. There are a couple things that didn't work, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to drink my tea, though. Yeah, maybe one of 
talk a little bit about the uh, cuz this now has the uh, the camera and the uh, remote yep. control. It does it has it has both. Um and the camera the camera's interesting. You know, I had an eyesight on my on my PowerBook and wind up chatting pretty regularly with my my brother uh from from the machine. So, you know, if I don't use it every day, I probably use it, you know, four times a week. And the first thing I noticed was that this camera is way sharper than my previous eyesight. Um, the, the, the picture is much clearer on it. That said, I use uh, a piece of software from Ecamm Networks called Eyeglasses, and they have a universal binary version of it out. And do you know what, you know what this software is, John? It, yes. Okay. It, it, uh, it, yeah, let's you uh, basically, I guess, really dig into the, the camera settings beyond what you can do with like iChat. Exactly. And it, it can it can make the, the picture look a lot better. What I noticed immediately was that the the hardware brightness controls on this camera are not as uh, robust or, or, or don't have as, as much um, range as the the hardware brightness did on my on my previous eyesight, because I, I noticed the, the uh, eyeglasses has a slider brightness slider from zero to 100. And this one pretty much passed about 40, nothing changes. Now, they do also have a software brightness, which will, you know, use some, some software tricks to enhance the, the brightness. Of course, that works just fine, but that has nothing to do with the camera itself. So, overall, the eyesight picture, my, my brother complains. He says it, it looks like the day after because it's, it's a little bit red and a little bit weird. Uh, he says it's clearer, mm. but, uh, but, but a little bit redder. So The day after it, being a recent movie not that recent but uh you know he kind of lives in the past anyway so that's just how it goes <laughs> but uh it, you know it is nice having it in the camera it is it was a little weird you know i got used to looking i had the eyesight mounted on top of my my power book and and so i was used to having the camera basically looking straight at me whereas now because the the camera's in the bezel my my image is definitely you know more of of looking up at me um, which is sort of a, a, a little strange, but whatever, it works just fine. And it'll, I'm sure it'll be handy when I take it on the road because I won't have to pack that extra, that extra now, piece of hardware. I have a question that everybody's been asking. Do you? <clears throat> the sky? About your new machine, excuse me. What's that? Uh, oh. No, actually, uh, the battery. Well, that's battery a, life. Yep. What have you observed? <clears throat> uh, running a typical session, I get about two and a half hours. Now that's with that's with both processors going. There mm -hmm. is a way in the control panel. There's a separate control panel, or sorry, not control panel, system preference pane called processor now, where you can actually shut down one of the processors, and it shuts off the second processor. That that adds a little bit to the battery life. It it would add maybe, based on what I could tell, maybe thirty minutes. I haven't run it enough to to really get a good benchmark out of it that way. But the battery life isn't. It's not stellar, but I think if I was on a plane watching a DVD, I could shut off the second processor and, and dim mm -hmm. the brightness a little bit and, and probably get, you know, three, maybe three and a half hours out of it. Uh, that would, that's, that's what I would expect based on what I've seen so far. Okay. So yeah. that sounds not stellar, but okay. It, it's not stellar. No. Um, and you can actually put a, uh, there's a little menu item that will let you turn the processors on and off. But I was having trouble making it work alongside menu meters, so mm -hmm. naturally menu meters went out, and I don't—I I leave both processors running all the time. That's just 
Now, there's also a developer tool, Chud. I don't know if you ever used it. I, I have. I haven't used it on the new machine. Chud is well, along with uh, Xcode now, right? And that, that's what it get, gets installed. Yeah, and sometimes with. it comes separately. It's a computer hardware understanding developer tools. Uh, but it does have a tool. It's actually a pref pane that uh, will show you. It will tell you about your processor, and it will let you do similar things like really uh, turn off the cache, whatever you'd want to do that. I wouldn't know, but yeah. also to uh, kick out one processor. Ah, Okay. Yeah, okay. Just thought I'd toss that in for the huh, I'll have developers to, I'll have to play out there. With, yeah, I'll have to play with that. Um, let's okay, see. heat. How's the heat? Uh, I remember my G4. I had one that really burned. Uh, there, there were some definite heat issues. Uh, it, 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 I've, I've touched the bottom of it. I haven't, I haven't done any a whole lot of computing with it on my lap, but I've touched the bottom of it, and it doesn't seem, you know, even when it's running at, at what I would consider a normal load for a period of time, it, it doesn't appear to be you know, overly hot. I, I, it's not like we have a, a case of the PowerBook 5300 recurring or anything mm-hmm. here. No, I, I think, I think we're in fine shape cool. with the heat. Yep. The one thing that doesn't run that I, that I rely on greatly is default folder. Uh, there, there is no universal binary yet. And the Rosetta version will not attach itself to the, to the current finder. So that's sort that was sort of a sad thing to get used to, but hopefully the folks at St. Clair will, Remedy that shortly. If you're listening, mm-hmm. please put me on the beta. I need it. And uh, and Audio Hijack Pro, which, of course, we used to do the podcast. Thankfully, we don't do the podcast from my MacBook Pro because Audio mm-hmm. Hijack Pro will not hijack audio from any Rosetta apps, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, Skype now currently runs as a Rosetta app. There's the new version of Skype coming out. But uh, uh, until then... Very, uh, very limited support there. So that's, uh, that's the issue. But I, I had, um, what was I doing the other day that I could not possibly have done? I had a video, an AVI version of the uh, entire Pink Floyd set, the 30, 26 minute or whatever it was set from Live 8. Oh, yes. And so I, I had that running double size uh, and I have the, MacBook Pro connected to my cinema display, which worked fine. And I had that running double size on the MacBook Pro screen, which is a much nicer screen than the PowerBook. It's a tighter resolution now. And I was able to do all my work, no problem. The processor was, both processors were probably sitting at about mm, 30% or so while the movie mm-hmm. was running. Sound, you know, sound was fine. And uh, I was able to do whatever I needed to do and notice no difference. Also noticed, uh, as far as CPU usage goes, while video chatting, it used to really take up a lot of CPU uh, when I was doing an iChat video chat. That would pretty much max out my CPU. And these days, that's not an issue at all. It sits at, you know, maybe both processors are sitting at about 20%. So I have plenty of room to do whatever it is I want to do while I'm video chatting, which is cool. You know? So you're going to keep it? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I'm happy with it. it. You know, I'm, I'm a little leery of my first road trip, which will be at the end of March. I've got to head down to Austin, I think on the 26th. So in theory, we have a podcast to do while I'm on the road and I'm not sure how that's going to work mm-hmm. out, but there's four weeks between now and then. So hopefully some, uh, some solutions will present themselves. Uh, it seems like every day there's, you know, five new vendors that announced universal binary support. So, Yep. It will be all right. 
So, yeah. Uh, so that's the downside of having it announced uh, basically six six months early. Six months early. Well, yeah, and being right on the bleeding edge. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend this for it, unless you need to buy a new laptop today. Uh, and if you do, I would I would highly recommend going with the MacBook. I would I would unless you've got a real reason to go with the PowerBook. I I would I would go with the MacBook. But if you don't need to buy either one, don't wait. You know, three months. Wait till it, I, I don't think there's going to be any hardware issues. At least not what I've seen thus far. But as far as application support goes, uh, you know, it, it will get better. For, that said, for the most part. It, there's there's not a whole lot of problems. I mean, it it just worked. I did have a weird thing, and I kind of have to uh, speak poorly about the Apple Care representatives that I talked to. Um, I you know I did the do that. What's that? Can you do that? Oh, you're you're about to hear me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Hello, brother. I, I, uh, I so I you know I did the migration. I did the FireWire migration. I plugged in my my PowerBook via the FireWire cable and and did the whole thing. And that that's a nice tool, the migration <laughs> yeah. assistant. And I've used it many, many times, right? And it worked in the past, no problem. And this time I didn't anticipate any problems. And it came across and everything worked fine. I looked, all my keychain data was there. Great. All my Safari autofill for, auto form data was there. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, when I went to do anything with username and passwords, all the username and passwords that were saved in Safari previously were gone. Now, they were still in my keychain, so I could look them up and type uh-huh. them in, and then Safari would remember. But it was like somehow Safari and the keychain, Safari's got its own cache that's different from yeah. the keychain. And I've I, seen sometimes Safari yeah. comes up and says, hey, something's changed with your keychain. Do you want me to sync up with it? Yeah, but it, that wasn't it. it, it yeah, it, it's not okay. doing the sync. And so I thought, well, geez, and I hunted all over the place to see if I could figure out, you know, where this data is stored and I can't find it and it's driving me crazy. So I called up AppleCare and I said, I explained to the person and, and uh, they passed me along to someone else and I told them what was going on. And Did you go and, to level two. Yeah. And you know what level two told me? They said, well, we spoke with a product specialist and the answer is there's an incompatibility between the power PC and the Intel chip. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, well, that's what they told us. I said, now, does this make any sense? You people wrote it so that to the lay user, there's no difference. It's transparent. It doesn't matter what OS it's running on. And yet you couldn't figure out how to get your own passwords from an older, from the same version of Safari on one platform to the other. I said, I don't think that has anything to do with the fact that this is an Intel machine. I think something screwed up in the migration assistant and the data is uh-huh. there. Yeah. Yeah, unequivocally, I could confirm that. Uh, unequivocally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if they can, if they can figure out how to do Rosetta, right, but they can't figure out how to get their own passwords across? No, 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 it's, no, no. It's a piece of data in a file that may have a, a dependency on the platform it's on, but you know, you can read files and write files. It's, you know, it's pretty easy to do. I, you may yeah. have to encrypt decrypt uh, sign, you know, verify the signature, do some security stuff, permissions, who the heck knows, but like like the Intel chip is blocking the ability to do that. Uh, yeah, it's this no, cool unless they very they specifically, added. you know, in their smoke filled room somewhere, had the mad Intel scientists going, ah, now we will get Apple. We will, <laughs> we will thwart their plans. <laughs> I mean, come on. And I said to him, I said, that's a cop out answer. And they said, well, that's what they told me. 
I said, well, they. then they gave I you a I want to speak cup. to they. Yeah, let me talk to them. Well, you can't talk to them. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to call back when I'm, you know, when I've got more time to deal with these kinds of people. Ask for Steve. Yeah, but if any of you out there know where this is stored, and really, I know all I need to do is tell it, resync with the keychain, and my life will be complete. <sighs> but no. Huh. <clears throat> no. Have you looked at a keychain access? Yeah, I did first aid and the whole deal. No, like I said, the data's there. It's just hmm. not. Uh, it's just not not coming up. Yeah, that was a good rant. Uh, it, well, you know, I I, I hope deserved. To, I mean, I hope somebody has a solution for me because I, I'm. Really, you know, I mean, say you know, we never heard of that one. Well, let's open a case and uh, yeah, get someone on it. And I did post know. to the discussion boards. Yeah, I mean, give us a, you know, dump of your, uh, you know, whatever. There's some diagnostic things you can do to yeah. send them. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, there's, in fact, there's a, there's a log, there's the migration log that sits out in the, oh, the var log folder, right? Perfect. So, I mean, something probably blew up or couldn't read a file or yeah. something. Yeah. Something. I, and I'd be happy to send them any or all of that stuff. But no, mm. that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I had a coworker use it because uh that they had a uh, uh coffee mishap uh-oh here's a tip you probably put it uh, <laughs> don't put anything in your coffee because <laughs> certain things in your coffee cause certain computer certain things inside computers to not work well like sugar so first, you mean first thing i asked was did you put either milk or sugar in the coffee it's like yes tons i'm like oh, oh. You're in big trouble <laughs> yeah i suspect in a lot of cases black coffee if there isn't anything added to it would act more as Water could still damage things. Yeah. Water is really yeah. pure water. There's something in there that could cause yeah. wreak havoc. But I mean, you know, either milk or whatever. But uh, but anyways, uh, went to the Apple store. They're like, let it try to dry out. Didn't work. Um, turned it, you know, uh, brought it back. And they took the hard drive out. A friend had a case, a FireWire case or a USB case. And the migration assistant brought it all over to a, it's one of the uh, last 15-inch uh, power books that she okay. got. But okay. it brought everything over. The only problem we're having is with Notes, which, well, Notes is a, disaster yeah, yeah <laughs> i wonder i wonder if notes will, will run a misfortune to use it <laughs> the, the, actually i saw that they had a conference i think they're up to version uh we're using you know six dot something and i think they're up yeah. to seven but i actually did see an article from someone at uh, ibm who yeah. bought lotus saying that they're committed which uh is good because it actually runs on a lot of platforms um yeah probably one of the good things about notes it's, i think that's the <laughs> only good thing about notes. email and uh scheduling with it but yeah you probably used it throughout your uh, career but I, used it, it to, I used it a little nasty. bit back in back in my Citibank days we actually mm -hmm. used notes a little bit to interface with uh the people over at phillips actually and uh i did a little bit of development on it it was pretty crazy but uh i mean i, I you know it's it's definitely the whole replication thing with notes is uh potentially very yeah very very powerful thing if used one thing is it gets very confused as to whether it's installed or Oh, you really? got to go surfing in your probably your library preferences folder, and uh, yeah, there's a few things you got to get rid of. It, it it tries very hard to convince itself that it's still installed, and it'll look everywhere, like including oh. trash folders. Because <laughs> we were trying to reinstall, and it kept saying update instead of clean install. And we're like, what the heck is going on? As it turned <laughs> out, it found a remnant of the last version in the trash, and it. Oh. Thinking it was installed, it's like, and you look at the app itself. I mean, most well written, I think. Uh, 
you know, OS 10 apps. Here's a little rant here. It's a single file and inside of it, it's a package. And right. There's all this stuff. You look at notes and, and the folder, it installs a folder, which is an explosion of DLLs and components. And yeah, it's not the way to do it. It's, it's like the, even the PC days, Ew. you know, keep everything in one package, but you know, the user probably doesn't need to know there's 500 DLLs in there. Right. Yeah, but, notes makes you painfully aware of that, and it also sprinkles itself about. It, you know, it's it's <laughs> even on the oh, Mac, guys, huh? Come on. Yeah, I mean the good news is it runs on the Mac. That's right, they've and got, I I think they. I I think I remember seeing something that we ran on TMO that said that they were going to uh, make a universal binary version of the notes. I, I think. Yeah. Don't, don't quote me on that. Of course you could. Yeah, but I saw I saw it. something to that effect too. They're, yeah, they're okay. committed to it. Yeah, which is good. All right, so you want to go through uh, a couple of these audio comments and and then uh, yeah. and then we'll get out of here. No. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. No. All right. Twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, all right. The first one we will do from Simon about uh, a little iPhoto question. I think. Oh, you know, sometimes. Hit the button, man. Yeah. Well, you know, the mute button. It. Uh, doesn't doesn't always play nice. Let's see about it this time. Simon. Hello, Dave and John. Uh, my name's Simon from the UK. I've uh, got a question for you about iPhoto. I've uh, been using iPhoto 5 for a while, and that's been great. Uh, I use a PowerBook, and um, I take a lot of pictures and tend to keep the last couple of months on the hard drive. I don't really have space to keep the whole library on there. I've got 300 gigabytes of... Uh, photos now and I like to keep the last few photos on the hard drive as I uh, move around now it was great before because I could easily archive the photos off uh, nicely in year month and day folders but I noticed that iPhoto 6 keeps them all in roll directories and that's kind of screwed up my archiving system now so as I keep the last uh, couple of months in the computer um, they're all in these role directories and uh, it's a lot of work to copy them off to my archive into the nice, neat year, month, day directories that I was using with iPhoto 5. wonder if you have any solution or um, if there's some clever way we can do it, the, the automator or something like that. Uh, would appreciate your thoughts. All right. Well, uh, you want to take this one, John, or you want me to take it? Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. You're going to stick me with it, aren't you? Uh, my, my first thought is that archiving from the iPhoto folder on the, on the hard drive is probably a, a really, really bad idea because in that folder, obviously there's all the subfolders and, and the format of that has changed as, as you've seen, Simon. But in that folder, along with each of your photos is the original copy of the photo, if you've made any changes to it, any thumbnails that have been created. And, and you could have, you know, many iterations of the same photo out there, depending on what you've done with it and where you've done editing and that sort of thing. And my, my, my feeling is that it, it would be a horrible mess to archive that stuff off. So really to do any archiving, what, what we do here, at least at uh, Hamilton household is we use Internally to iPhoto, we do smart albums based on date and archive archive those off, and and then you can delete from there, and then of course empty the trash. 
But that that to me would would be not only a, a way of of restoring the functionality that that at least you thought you had previously, but but actually doing it in a way where when you take the the CD or DVD that you've archived off to and put it back in, iPhoto will actually read it and and integrate it into your library while the while the while the disc is in the drive. What do you think, John? Hmm. Now, I do have a thought though. There is a uh, and I think uh, yeah. The reason I tossed it to you is I haven't done this. Uh very frequently right but um there is an export within iphoto which i think um i mean actually you talk about burning off to cds i mean i guess that would be one thing yeah you just just burn a DVDs or something not a playlist but an you burn an album you know you make an album either a smart album or a custom album and then just burn that off to cd dvd whatever you like yeah and when i've done that actually they come out in a format where if you put it in a mac it will recognize it as a uh Right, uh, as its show, own and actually, so right. so that's probably a good way to do it. But but I think, yeah, if I had to do anything like that, I'd I'd be very just just because Apple and just software people in general are prone to change where they put things. So yep. so trying to second guess that, if anything, I would stick within the app itself. And uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, there is an export feature at least in the iPhoto I have in front of me under the share menu, and I I would, you know, much rather use what they support in the app because it's yep. likely to be supported. Uh, by something else that sees it. Yeah, that, that's so, uh, that, that. That that's that's that. Uh, Travis had a question about deleting applications, and I'm going to do my best to make it so that it will actually play this for us all. Mm-hmm. Hi guys, this is Travis. I've been trying to delete an app for some time now, and when I try and delete it, it says the operation cannot be completed because the item is in use. And I know it's not in use because I, I don't see it in use anywhere. And I've checked the activity monitor and I can't find it on my activity monitor. So if you could help me out, that'd be great. Thanks. I love- you want to take it or is it back to me again? Wow. Well, you know, my initial, but I'm going to give you my initial reaction to that. Yep. Um, there's our pal RM-F, if you go to the command line. You be careful with that. Yes, you have to be very careful. Warning, warning, danger, danger. You can screw up your whole computer if you do That's right. But um, my initial reaction for for those stubborn apps (laughs) (laughs) would be to go into the terminal, change over the directory, and do an RM-F. What that basically says, RM is the remove command, dash F means... Force, force, like really. Even if there's a little problem somewhere. Um, Now, if that doesn't work, then yeah, that gets sticky because something's holding on to it, and I'm really wondering what it is. I don't know if a permission check would probably couldn't hurt. Permission check, yeah. My my thought was that may have something weird set saying, "Hey, you even maybe it doesn't think that you know uh, they're the owner anymore of the file." Well, he no, said that it says in use. So in yeah, use. yeah, running. That's weird. Well, my my thought was to check the if you go into system preferences and go to accounts mm. and then go into login items, it's possible that you've got something running uh, without you knowing it. There, there are things that can start up when your Mac starts up. Now, some of them can start up outside of login items, and those you can't turn off, uh, or at least you can't tell not to start up that way. But look in the login look in the login items list and see if there's anything listed there. Also, try to create a new user, and uh, you know, which is one of my favorite troubleshooting techniques. Create a new user with administrator privileges, 
log out as your existing user, log in as that user, and see if you can delete from there. Failing that, there's always single user mode, and then you can use John's RM-F, right? Now, also, the other thing I would mention, I, I don't know um, Activity Monitor, what it comes up in. Yeah. I don't think it comes up, but there's a, a menu in the upper right that has, you know, what level of stuff you want to see. Yeah. And there is an all processes setting. I'm not sure if it comes up like that in default. It does not. No, you it have to. It may. Okay, that's that's why I was going to mention yeah. it. I believe it comes up in a mode where you may not be able to see all running processes. Right. So that's another tip. You may not be seeing all of reality. It may be only be showing you like user processes. Uh, yep. What could be holding on could in fact be a you know a root or system process that's holding on to that. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, so a little tip there. Activity monitor. Make sure you're looking at all processes, and uh, that may help you uh, zero in on it. There you go. Hey, well, you know, while we're on the uh, kind of on the subject, I wanted to mention something about Activity Monitor. Mm-hmm. One thing that you can do in Activity Monitors, of course, you can set different columns. And, and we should talk about this with regards to RAM management because I actually learned a lot. Of, but we're not going to get that deep into it now because we're wrapping things up. However, there, you can add a kind fo- column, which on the oh. Intel Macs is key because you can see exactly what's running and what mode it's running in. Power PC mode or Intel mode. Very, Ooh. very handy. Yeah. So Good I've been tip. I've been living oh. in that. So Oh, I thought you were talking about like nice, but that's something else. Nice is different, and we can talk about that some other time yeah, too. We yeah, we we should we should maybe next show we'll we'll spend some time in activity monitor. In fact, it has now it has now been said we will be in activity monitor next show. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here and uh, yeah. well you got some new stuff. And new stuff. And some, some, I've learned a lot about RAM management and, and figuring out what, what to yes. look at and what to ignore. So we'll, we'll talk about that, that next show. Well. But what is active? We're, we're going uh, to revisit an old topic quickly here. We had two audio comments, <sighs> both of them, believe it or not, from the great state of New Hampshire. Uh, two people sent in audio comments about disk utility, or rather about encrypting files to send over the internet. We talked about you send it as a great way of sending files and but. we had a, a couple way, but it's not necessarily secure as, uh, as you mentioned, John. So these two folks had, uh, had a couple of ideas and we're going to let them share them with you now. Hi, John and Dave, this is Brian from Southern New Hampshire. Um, I was just listening to you guys talk about password protecting files for you send it. And the, just the night before I was listening to this, I had finished e-filing my taxes and I printed them out and also saved PDF files of everything. Um, and I had a folder that I wanted to put up on my iDisk, but I didn't want it out there for everyone to see. Um, you know, even though it's not in the public folder, I'm still a little weary of just putting it up there. Um, so one thing that I do is if you go to disk utility, there's a file, uh, new disk image from folder and then when that dialog comes up, select your folder. And then on the bottom portion of that dialog, there's a encryption dropdown. Set that to AES-128. Um, it'll ask you for a password and it'll create the encrypted disk image from the folder and you're good to go. Uh, so I just dropped that encrypted disk image on my iDisk and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So hope that can help someone. Thanks. 
Hello, Mac Geeks. This is Ken from KenZickler.com with an answer to a question from an earlier podcast. The question was how to send a file securely so only the intended recipient could receive it. You send it's a great utility for doing so. However, anyone who gets the URL can download the file you post. Found that the safest way to send files over the internet to another Mac user is to first make a disk image using Apple's Disk Utility Program. When you create the new image, you can select AES 128-bit encryption and set a password. Mount the image and copy the files you want to send. This way, all you have to send is the image file. I also use this as a great way to store files on my machine that are confidential, such as banking information and passwords. Anyone who gets access to the file still needs the password in order to access it or even know what kind of files are in it. Keep up the great work with the podcast, guys. Thanks. And thank you, Brian and Ken. <clears throat> and I think Ken actually lives not too far from me here in Durham, believe it or not. But uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well, it's such a small state. You guys know each other, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> you got to get up here sometime. I'm just kidding. No, I also <laughs> hollered at an email where someone said, you know, believe it or not, you know, New Hampshire's not all mooses and trees. And... <laughs> but you have mooses and we don't. No, we do have a bear, believe it or not. Uh, really? But I thought moose, or was it when it was up in Vermont? No, we, we, have, uh, we have moose, well, in both places. Yeah, you have them in both. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? And there they are. Okay. It's time to get out. What? We've done enough damage for the evening. Don't uh, you But think? those are good tips. Yeah. AES-128. AES-128. And ask for a password. Here's a tip, though. Pick yeah, what's the tip? password? Pick. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, you're you have right. the strongest encryption if your password is password. That that's really not going to help. No, that's right. No, it's it's true. No, that's it, an important caveat that's not mentioned a lot with encryption. Yep. Don't pick but. a dictionary word. Pick uh, random letters mm-hmm. interspersed by vowels and numbers, so that you can say it. I always try and do that. Right. Pick a password that you know is consonant vowel, consonant vowel, mm-hmm. consonant vowel, so that I yeah. can I can say it in my head, and I'm I'm not say it, don't spray it. I'm not compelled to write it down. That's right. <sighs> All these great little tips. All right. Well, next week What's we're going to talk about activity monitor. There might be a couple other things, of course, because you know, forty minutes of activity monitor would be a boring show. I keep thinking well, one of these shows is some be- people though, you know, for some people. Some people like the gab, some like the geek, some and like both. Some like both. That's right. So we do thank you for staying subscribed. Uh, next week, like I said, will be that. Uh, I, I want to thank our sponsors, of course. Thanks to Think Different Store and Audio Engine USA, both at thinkdifferentstore.com and audioengineusa.com, respectively. This podcast has been downloaded from Cashfly Hosting, of course, and if you want to sponsor it, I think we've got a slot, maybe two, open later in March. You can contact the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Fill out the iTunes comments, folks. We love it when you, uh, when you, when you spend the time to tell us and everyone else in the world what you think. And hey, mm-hmm. remember our Frapper map? Have we ever talked about our Frapper map on the podcast itself? It's on the uh, show notes. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, I know, I but, but have we mentioned it on the show? I don't know. I think so. Did I? Okay. Mm, what do go, I know? Go to the show notes. I've, I've had this cold for like three weeks. I tell you, this oh, winter man. has been filled with health issues for me. And I'm usually a yeah. healthy guy. So, And uh, show notes old. can be found at MacGeekGab.com. Yeah. Right. Audio comments. Or, oh, I, I wanted to say something. The Skype thing. Um, 
I know I, there were a couple of comments out in Skype today. I couldn't pull them out because, of course, I do that on the MacBook and can't audio hijack from Skype on the MacBook at the moment. So there's a little issue there. So uh, yeah. sit tight. We'll figure it out. I can always do it up on this machine. So audio comments, uh, Skype them to MacGeekGab. You can email them to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. And the phone number to call and leave a comment is 206-666-GEEK. Geek. <laughs> Uh, that's it. We're out of here. Podcast Alley. Yeah, Podcast Alley. You can vote at Podcast Alley. That's right. We got or a new comment. coming up. We love the comments. The comments There's at Podcast one that Alley. Says, Your show rocks my face off. I'm not sure what that means. I think it's a good thing. I think it is a good thing. Thanks, folks. Stay subscribed. We'll see you next Welcome. week.